0: Before we finish, uh, does anyone have any questions they want to ask about the practice? Anyone have any doubts? What is emptiness? And is emptiness the same as anatta? Normally, as human beings, we have basic experience. We have a body and a mind, and normally our view is, is deluded. We have this sense that this body and mind is a self, we own it, we control it, it's us, it's a self, a being, a person. However, when we follow the Buddhist path, the Buddhist teachings, Sila, Samadhi, Panya, gradually we're training our mind to understand more deeper and and to help to break through that delusion to the point where we can actually see and know that that attachment to the body and mind, the sense of self, is, it's, it's a delusion, it's not true. And the, really, this, this body and this mind are subject to an dukkha anatta. They're, they're not a self, not, they're uncontrolled, something that we can't control, something we can't own. There's nothing to, to be owned in that. Um, that change of view, training the mind in Siddha Samadhi and Panya, that change of view gives rise to the experience we call emptiness, where the mind has this sense of um, cool, peaceful, detached emptiness of self. By changing its view, we experience that little by little. It grows and it becomes more of a profound experience for us. This sense of emptiness, it comes through seeing through what we call samuti such as the conventional way or the apparent reality. The apparent reality is that there's a person, there's a being, there's an us. Uh, but when you see through that more clearly, through developing and training in Sita Samadhi Panya, then our wisdom, our insight sees, well, that's not true. That's only a, a superficial reality. Deep deep down or seeing through that, we get to Vimuti, which is the liberation from that wrong view. This is what gives rise to emptiness. Uh, having done that, having completed that training, that path, we reach Nibbana, uh, which, as you might say, is the highest emptiness. But Nibbāna is not anything that you can label in a normal sense. So you can't really say Nibbāna is self or it's not self. It's not atta or anatta. Nibbāna is just Nibbāna. It's just the way things are. So what is the poor rule, this one that knows? When you say to develop this poor rule, does it have many levels, like a worldly level and then an enlightened level? Or is there a level that's higher than this? And if there is, is this one that knows, is it always there? Or is it something that comes and goes? Puru, or the one who knows, or the knowing, uh, is something, it's a quality that we have to develop through the practice. Uh, normally we tend, or say one who hasn't practiced, uh, will tend to be deluded by their own moods, their own experiences in life, their thoughts, their moods, their mental states. And this is a cause of suffering. So we develop the the knowing, the knower, or the, the one who knows, in order to understand that, to see that process, to see what's happening. It's, it's a quality we have to train to bring up, to develop. Um, as we develop, over time, this quality of the knowing, grows in the mind or in the heart it's what is known is all mental objects that come to our mind are known we're training to know them all and know them all as a Nietzsche dukkha anatta what what arises out of this is that we see that if we attach to any kind of object that comes to the mind and When we say attach, meaning we have no, we don't have that quality of knowing, clear knowing and understanding of it as anicca dukkha anatta. When we attach, we're going to suffer in some way or other. If we have the knowing, develop the knowing to to a point where we clearly see the anicca dukkha anatta of all objects, well, we won't suffer. The mind will be free from suffering. So this quality of the one who knows it's a wholesome quality that one trains in, develops, and ultimately becomes that which performs what we call dhamma nupassana satipatthana, or that the fourth foundation of mindfulness, where um, the mind, the knowing, this, this quality of knowing in the mind, is knowing all objects, physical, mental, that the mind can experience as an dukkha anatta, as not self as impermanent, as unsatisfactory, as not-self. It's something that begins just in small ways. Through our practice, we're learning to develop more mindfulness, more of this quality of knowing and awareness. Um, As it develops more continuity, um, sati develops into samadhi. At first, it might still be on a fairly mundane level, uh, just temporarily leading to states of liberation, letting go of different kinds of mental states and attachments which cause us suffering. Uh, but it's still, that's still helpful. Um, of course, we're aiming to completely abandon, completely uproot all our mental states. So that's the aim, is to train this, this quality of knowing uh, or the knower or the one who knows to that point where it can... Com- can see the true nature of phenomena and completely uproot all attachments. So it seems to develop on levels, you could say. We have levels of seeing uh, the anatta, the not-self, in physical and mental phenomena. In the beginning, it's on a more coarse level. We can see, as we progress in the practice, it goes to a more refined level, and so on. You might just develop this quality of the one who knows in your daily life, on the, in the beginning, just, just knowing your state of mind. Is it wholesome? Is it unwholesome? Is there greed present or not? Is there anger present or not? Is the mind deluded or not? And as you train in this, train in this development of this quality of the knowing, you'll see uh, how when there is greed, anger or delusion present in the mind, well, it's always leading on to some suffering. It's a cause of suffering. Um, so you increase, your, you train in developing sila, Samadhi, Panya. You're training this quality of knowing to the point where it can see, oh, these are the causes of suffering. Any form of greed, anger, delusion arising in my mind is a cause of suffering. So you're learning to let go of the attachment to those mental states. This is how we begin training the the, the one who knows or the knowing and as we do this, we, ex- we start to experience true letting go, letting go of the causes of suffering, what we call samudaya Bahana, where we're actually cutting off uh, different mental defilements, which are the cause of suffering. It's the training in this, uh, the one who knows, that allows us to do this. So in the development of the one who knows, is it like having an internal dialogue with oneself, an internal conversation? It might involve having a conversation with yourself. Certainly in the beginning of the practice, the way we develop this quality of knowing, say mindfulness, clear comprehension, can be like that. You're asking yourself, what am I attached to here? Is this an attachment? Um, is this thing I'm attached to, is it temporary or is it permanent? Is it a cause of happiness or suffering? Is it self, not self? as you discuss it within your mind, you're making your mind more mindful and bringing more understanding up. That can lead to letting go on one level and letting go of various attachments which are causing us suffering. You can do it that way. Uh, You probably wouldn't say it's the highest or ultimate level of letting go yet, but it's, it's a valid way to practice and in the beginning it'll often be like that, yes. How important is it to find a teacher along the path? And is a teacher something you have to find yourself? Or will he come and find you? Or is it even that some people don't need a teacher? The only person who is, you might say, self-enlightened without a teacher is the Buddha himself. So one of the first questions he was asked by a Brahmin after his enlightenment was enlightened was, Who is your teacher? He said, I have no teacher, I'm self-enlightened. That's one of the defining qualities of the Buddha. Um, after that, those who enli- become enlightened, enlightened, understand, follow the path and reach the end of suffering, uh, or what we call sawakas, enlightened disciples of the Buddha. So they all depend on the, the Buddha as their first teacher uh, and the words of the Buddha um, to help them understand the Dhamma and see the path As we know, in the life of the Buddha, the time of the Buddha, there were many uh, enlightened disciples. Um, Some disciples do have great parami. They develop their spiritual parami and spiritual qualities and faculties to the point where they're very close to seeing the Dhamma. And so it would be the case, sometimes the Buddha would go to find them. He'd know somebody was in a situation where they're very ripe, mature to see the Dhamma. Um, close to seeing the Dhamma, he might travel, maybe walk a long distance to meet with them, or he'd find the occasion to meet with that person, give a Dhamma teaching, and they might become a Sotapanna or even Arahant, in just listening to the words of the Buddha. However, um, the rest of us that's that's not the case we are not ripe or mature enough to just hear one talk and become enlightened as as those people in the time of the buddha for the rest of us are more like say venerable sariputta venerable Moggallana, very good examples of 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 people who had the aspiration to free themselves from suffering to find true true happiness but they hadn't yet found the right teacher, or the true teacher. They had one teacher, but they realized he, he can only teach them so, so much. So they started looking for another teacher, and they made a pattern where whoever finds that the teacher is, will teach them the true way to the end of suffering, they'll tell the other. So as they're spending their time waiting for the right teacher to come along, looking around for teachers, Venerable Sariputta came across Venerable Assaji walking, he was one of the first five ascetics who heard the first teachings of the Buddha and was one of the first in Arahants, or enlightened disciples. He was walking in the village, he had a very composed manner, very bright, radiant aura around him, and his skin seemed very bright-coloured. And Sariputta seeing him was sure this must be somebody who is enlightened, or the, or the pupil, or the student of an enlightened teacher, just by his... Demeanor, he thought, mm, they must for sure. So he went up and asked him questions. Of, "Can you teach me the Dhamma?" and Venerable Asaji said, "I won't teach you the Dhamma. I am a student of the Buddha." And that led Venerable Sar- Sariputta on to to ask questions and to eventually follow him back to meet the Buddha. Uh, for most of us, it has to be like that. We have to have we have our aspiration to end suffering, to develop our spiritual path, but we have to make that effort to look for a a teacher, a true teacher who can uh, teach us the way to the end of suffering.